0: Before we start with the sermon, I want to pray. Lord, we thank you for your works. We thank you for your spirit that's here and working among us. Thank you that you're the living God. Thank you that your word is the truth. And I thank you that we have your word and we can learn from it for our life. You want to speak to us. You want to draw us towards you. You want to change us and you want us to follow you radically with all our heart because only in that there is fulfillment that you want to give us so please open our hearts make them white take everything away that that could keep us from um, experiencing your works amen yes this baptism that we celebrated last week and that was really visible in Jonathan, yet yeah, that young man. So that immersion in water, it symbolizes the burying of the old life that you led before without God, lost in sin. And that coming up out of the water, it symbolizes the resurrection to a new life in Jesus. And then last Sunday sermon, we already talk about the renewal to a new life in Jesus. How we take off the old life and we put on the new life. And these thoughts in our text today that we are reading in Romans thirteen eleven to 14, we will deepen those thoughts. Because it also talks about putting off one thing and putting on another and doing so in light of Jesus' return. And I want to read that verse. That's Roman 13, verses 11 to 14. And this do, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to be awakened from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and by the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Christians, we don't live towards the end, towards our death, the inevitable death, but we have a goal towards which we are living and that's the return of Jesus. In the return of Jesus, our salvation will be completed. We will live together with him in eternal glory and righteousness. And Jesus will come again, just as all the promises in God's word of the first coming of Jesus to the world have been fulfilled. So will all the promises of the second coming of Jesus be fulfilled, of that we may be certain. So the question is not if he will come again, but the question is when he will come again. In James 5.8 it says, So you also wait patiently, strengthen your hearts, for the return of the Lord is near. When I was a young Christian, when I was full of plans, I didn't wait patiently for the return of Jesus, because I was doing well, and there were so many things that I wanted to reach and that I wanted to do, and I didn't really have an idea of what was coming. And maybe you feel the same way today but as i grew older and when i grew more spiritually mature i find that living in a world that is turning off more and that's just becoming more and more alienated from god um for me that feels like a burden and that makes me pray more often and often lord please come soon So no matter where you stand today, this return of Jesus, that's the best thing that can happen to his followers. Even a week before the wedding, Christoph and Alina getting married in a week. (laughs) You can't really imagine that. But it's the best thing that can happen to all of us. If we have Jesus in our life. So, therefore, with this hope that we have, this living hope, we can also strengthen our hearts. In 1 Thessalonians five ten to 11, it says, Who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him? Why comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do? So, the big question that really moves a lot of people is: but when will Jesus return? And God's Word teaches us that we should recognize the sign of the times, that point to Jesus' return. But God's Word also tells us in Matthew 25:13 that no one knows the day and no one knows the hour. But there is one thing that's very clear about the time of return. And that's um, in this verse here that says our salvation is nearer than when we became believers. So it's coming nearer every single day. And I've experienced that some Christians have become lost and just trying to recognize the signs and studying the world events to interpret if they can figure out the time of Jesus' return, they forget the essential thing Last year, during my holiday, I read the biography of Oswald Chambers. He was a great preacher who lived in Great Britain around 1900. So when in 1914, the First World War started, many of his contemporaries started to philosophize over like about the second coming of Jesus. And they said, okay, now the world is ending, now it's it's time. Like many world events, um, led people to believe that way, and many got lost in that. But Oswald Chambers did what was obvious for him in that situation. He went um, to the front in war, with the soldiers, to bring them the gospel and to assist them and to serve them. He did what was essential in view of the expectation of Jesus' return. He preached and he he lived the gospel and he was fully devoted. And that has always been the essential thing. <coughs> because it's all about people being saved. It's not so much a matter of um, of knowing the exact time of Jesus' return but rather it is about um, that we Christians have that attitude of expectation that the second coming of Jesus could be at any time, so we should be awake. That's what it says again and again in the Bible. (coughs) If I know that tomorrow Jesus could come again, then (coughs) how I live today will be different. So if I know that tomorrow Jesus could come again, i live differently today. And that's exactly the point. That's why we should wake up from the sleep that represents our lack of expectation and that frivolous kind of lifestyle. Because if I think, okay, I I could miss something, I usually don't fall asleep. So think of children on New Year's Eve. That was always the case for us. They really, really wanted to experience New Year's. Really, And they are focused and they did everything so that they wouldn't fall asleep. They had this goal of being there as well. And that's the attitude that we must take. So if we focus on Jesus and on his return, The priorities in our lives will shift and we won't waste our time, we won't sleep, we will be focused on Jesus. So there's one question that I just keep asking myself and that's how, where and what do I want to be doing when Jesus is returning? And this question alone just helps me to walk decently, as it says here in verse 13. So it, it keeps me from dumb things, from sin. I think if Jesus comes again now, do I want to be found like this? The night has advanced and the day is near. There's no time to waste in Living our lives according to our calling as children of God, as uh, saints. Um, so that suits the person that we are in Jesus. We have to clothe, clothe ourselves accordingly. But before we can put on new clothes, we have to put off or take off the works of darkness that have nothing in common with our renewed life in Jesus. In Ephesians 5, verse 8, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Spurgeon, who was a big preacher as well from Great Britain, he says, We must put off before we can put on. The rags of sin must be loosened when we put on the garment of Christ. One must put off the love of sin. One must renounce the practices and habits of sin. Otherwise a man cannot be a Christian. It will be an idle attempt to wear religion as a kind of heavenly overall, over the old sins. I think that's a good image. So the works of darkness are characterized here in our verses by feasting and cruising by fornication and strife and envy. So you can just continue this list anyway. There are various places in the Bible um further works of darkness are called um such as in Galatians five, nineteen to twenty one. And there they are called the works of the flesh. But I think deep deep inside we know what brings glory to God, what is good for us and um, what is part of living a holy life and what is not. And we are all weak. And we struggle with one sin or another, with old habits in our lives. And that's normal, that's just discipleship, so we grow towards that holy life. But there, where we start to make compromises to clothe the work of darkness in light, where we discuss whether it's okay to get drunk, maybe, or to have sex outside of marriage, which here is described with the word of fornication. That's where we cultivate our flesh instead of putting on the Lord Jesus, and thus striving for a holy way of life, as it says here in verse fourteen. <coughs> in First Peter chapter one, fourteen to sixteen, it says, "As obedient children, do not conform yourselves to the lusts you used to serve in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy." you also should be holy in all your conduct for it is written you shall be holy for i am holy so jesus is not a spoilsport and he's not a moralizer either like maybe a lot of people in the world understand him but he's your lord he is your king your savior and your friend he gave his life for you and he knows what's good for you. <coughs> and that's why he wants to to set you free from things that are not good from you, for you and um, things that take you captive and keep you from alive in fullness. <coughs> because that's what Jesus promised in John 10 verse 10. <coughs> there it says that he came to bring life in fullness And this fullness that he wants to bring to our lives is found in him alone. So he came to bring life and fullness and that fullness is in him alone, not in our circumstances. So don't try to look for satisfaction and fulfillment elsewhere, (laughs) because you won't find it outside of Jesus maybe for a short time you will feel feel fulfilled, yes. but then after a short time you will be empty again and you will thirst again. And that's what most um, last week almost everybody that was baptized told that in their testimony that they looked for fulfillment in all kinds of different things. And in the end they remained empty because there was just this emptiness in their house. until they found, in Jesus, they found the true fullness and the true life. In John 4 verse 14 it says, But he who ever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. The water I give him will become in him a spring, from which water gushes forth, even to eternal life. So Jesus is that um, water in us. Like that spring in us that never stops. He everything that our heart longs for. In Philippians 3, verse 8, it says, Yes, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, and that I win with Christ in verse 12 we read that we should put off the works of darkness and we should put on the weapons of light weapons weapons they represent struggle anyway anyone who wants to break away from the wrecks of sin as Bertrand calls them and wants to put on Jesus that person will experience that struggle. And the only effective weapon against darkness is light. And Jesus says um, about himself that he is light, that he's the light of the world. In John 1, 4 and 5, in him was life and the the life was the light of man and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. So that means that putting away that darkness that can only happen in direct connection with putting on the weapons of light. Otherwise, that darkness, that sin, that flesh, that will not be overcome by us, but we need the light against the darkness. So most Christians struggle against sin in their lives but they don't have that that resounding victory but again and again they are just overcome by sin. And the struggle is described in Galatians 5.17 by Paul. It says, for the flesh lasts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would I know the struggle and I'm quite convinced that you know the struggle as well so the sin and the lust in us is often stronger than our will so we that's why we experience defeat again and again <coughs> therefore we are um, told here not to nurture our flesh to the point of arousing desires because then victory over the flesh is impossible. So not caring for the flesh that means not to spend any time on it so not to give it any time and not to think about it because I think all desire begins in thought and if I think or if I pursue these kind of thoughts, if I give it space, if I keep thinking about it, I, I will feed it until it becomes so big that I don't have any control over it anymore. But I have control. <laughs> the flesh at the end will be just as active as I allow it to be. In today's world Especially for us men, I think sexual desires are stimulated very quickly. Maybe there's a poster on the street or there's advertisement on the internet and your desire is stimulated by that, then I have the choice to either pursue the thoughts, to follow them, to nurture them, or I can pray directly against them, not giving them a millimeter of space inside me. So that's what I always do. When I notice my desires are stimulated here I just pray Lord take my thoughts and my fantasies away and just fill me with your good thoughts and for support I also maybe turn up the worship even louder and maybe women struggle more with envy or jealousy and the same applies here so just don't give the thoughts inside you any room. Because otherwise they will drag you down and they will make you bitter too. So instead of caring for our flesh, we have to care for our spirit. We have to strengthen it. So you could say you have to turn on the light. You have to take Jesus in in it with you. In verse 16 of Galatians 5, this strategy that i described is written down it says (coughs) but i say walk in the spirit and ye shall not accomplish the lust of the flesh so how do i do this how do i walk in the spirit how do i turn on the light that casts out the darkness that's by putting on the light so jesus himself so put on the lord jesus christ So when we put on Christ, we automatically put on the weapons of light that equip us both for defense but also for offense. Because only by doing this we will be victorious in our battles. We need Jesus, we need his light in us that's stronger than any desire or any flesh. could be just Jesus in all his fullness so nurture your relationship with jesus and strengthen your spiritual life so don't fight against sin but strengthen your spirit just really absorb god's word and pray and fill yourself with worship and become full of the spirit it says here so don't be don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. That's kind of like the opposite that we have to do. So just really take God's word for you. Have fellowship with other Christian, and decide for this holy way of life. Because I think that's where often we fail to just decide for that. But if we decide to have a holy lifestyle, then Jesus will enable us. Jesus who is alive in us, Jesus who is light himself, and who enables us to live a holy life. As I always say, the things that God calls us to, he also enables us to do them. It's not impossible. But always think, Jesus is not the one who judges you. But he came to bring life, he came to save lives. He came with grace and mercy. We will fall again and again and we will not manage it at times. But Jesus is not the one who then steps on us and is like, you see, you can't manage this. But he's the one who pulls us up. He's the one that gives us mercy. He's the one that says, okay, come on together. We can do this. We will just keep walking straight forward and please don't give up. He's full of grace, so just never forget that. He's full of mercy, no matter where you stand today. He looks at you with eyes of mercy and he motivates you to lead that holy life. Wake up. The Lord is near. Put away all darkness. Fight the good fight. You are warriors of light. So, seize the fullness in Jesus that your heart desires. Amen. Lord, we thank you that in you there is fullness. And every single heart that is here today is longing for exactly that. Because you in your creation, you planted that desire in every single heart. And you want this fullness, this desire for peace. You want to fill that. And I thank you, Lord, that you went to the cross to provide the basis for that, that you made us pure. That you took everything away that keeps us from experiencing that fullness. Lord, and you see our life. We want to live for you, but you see our inability, our struggle how we keep losing or maybe we don't even want to have that holy lifestyle but I thank you that you ask us again today you motivate us again that you give us the mercy and you say take off everything else all the things that keep you so that you can put on all the things that I have for you that's what brings glory to my father Lord I ask you to awake us that we know the time that we don't waste our time but we live a life for you and for the gospel that this light that's in us that we turn that on so that we can be a light for the people around us so they can be saved we praise you we praise you for your works in us and around us And we ask you, Lord, draw us towards you, draw us near to you. Amen.